0: Number one, you can't be chasing money right away. Of course, do what you need to do to make ends meet, pay bills, take care of yourself, but never get so stuck in, I just have to make money, I have to make money. Always look up and think about what it is that you wanna do long-term. You don't wanna look back at the end of your life and just say, I worked this job because it was paying my bills. What did you create? What mark did you leave behind? What contribution did you make for your fellow man? These are all things you need to be thinking about. And I think if we can start with that, then that'll take you places.
1: Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. Today's guest is Taj Deshawn podcast host of the show Thrive After Sports and athlete career transition coach. When Taj first stepped away from the game he loved, he struggled heavily with depression. He had never fully developed a clear vision of his life after football. Taj knew he wanted to get a good job, make a ton of money, and be successful, but felt lost and overwhelmed having no idea on how he would do that and what to do with his life. After several years of stumbling around in the emotional darkness of uncertainty, Taj decided to move the focus away from himself and look to serving others. Once Taj found his focus, he created an intensive program for retired athletes who are struggling to adapt to life after sports. It has become his mission and passion to reach out and help others overcome the fear, frustration, and uncertainty associated with life post-athletics. Listen in and hear how Taj has helped athletes approach, navigate, and successfully move into the next phase of their lives. Well, hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, and I have an awesome guest today, Taj Deshawn. He is an athlete career transition coach and the podcast host of the show Thrive After Sports. Thanks for joining us today, Taj.
0: Larry, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I know we've been trying to make this happen for quite some time to get on each other's schedules, but it's all in divine timing. So great to be here with you.
1: Timing, sometimes everything, right? (laughs) Yes, indeed. And it's always nice to talk to somebody who, like myself, is not from Long Island. Originally spent some time here. I ended up, ended up staying here and, and you went to Stony Brook. So it's always nice to talk to somebody who has the experience of living where I've lived or where I live currently. So thanks for joining us today. Yeah. I want our listeners to understand who you are and what you do. So before we jump into what you do today, can you tell us about your path to becoming an athlete career transition coach? How did you get here?
0: Yeah, quite a journey, Larry. I'll keep it somewhat brief. As you mentioned, I played football at Stony Brook. And when I graduated, just like many other athletes, I was lost. And this is 2013 because... There wasn't a lot of resources for transitioning athletes or a life after sport, so to speak, back then. And I came home, went back to Southern California, and I was super lost just because I had been playing football since I was 10 years old. So I'm back home in my childhood bedroom, no job prospects, no sort of idea what I wanted to do. Started out in sales, and I was making great money in sales, but I quickly reached this point where even though I was making money, I was unhappy with my day-to-day life. And I was like, man, I have to find something that is more true to me. And I still was trying to figure that out. And what I did was I made a pivot from sales to recruiting because I felt like as a recruiter, I can still be competitive with myself and still put up numbers and make commission, but I was also helping people. And that really became the theme for leading up to everything I'm doing now with leaning into helping people. Eventually, I started having this itch to want to break away from the corporate space, so to speak, and really become a business owner, become a solopreneur. I had no idea what I wanted to do, Larry. I was thinking about being a personal trainer. All kind of stuff crossed my mind. But what ended up happening was I had a series of friends, uh, former teammates from Stony Brook who came out to visit me all within like a six month period. And these guys were like, Taj, how are you doing this, man? You're living this life. You found a good job. You're making money. You've made it. You know, even they didn't know I was unfulfilled on the inside. Miserable. Yeah, miserable (laughs) would be the better choice of word. Yeah. So I was miserable because even though I just wanted, I felt called to do more and I was helping these guys out. And even when they would fly back home, it became like I was talking to them on the weekends. I would talk to them before work, after work. So I kind of became like an unofficial mentor to these guys. And then it started to expand. They would be like, hey, can you talk to my cousin? She just finished playing basketball over here at this university. And then it became bigger than football. So long story short, started doing research to see what was actually available to transitioning athletes, especially at the collegiate level. Virtually nothing. There's a couple articles on the NCAA website about how to prepare for a job interview, things like that, but nothing actually tangible, nothing to help an athlete go from A to Z. So I decided I was going to create some curriculum and I quit my job prematurely. I definitely could have done both, but I felt so passionate about this work that I was just like, I'm just going to go full speed into this thing. That was 2017 going into 2018, and I had to take my bumps and bruises as an entrepreneur. But I've stayed consistent. I've constantly improved my craft. I've constantly helped more and more people to prove that what I'm doing is working and found different ways to serve. And that's what led me where I am today.
1: That is great. So just to clarify for folks out there, your real niche is working with those athletes that their career comes to an end in college and then transitioning from that athletic career, academics, and moving into the kind of the workforce and finding what the next chapter is going to be for them.
0: That's exactly it. It started out, it's grown beyond. I have worked with some professional athletes, mainly like overseas basketball players and people who play different sports overseas. But The sweet spot, like you said, Larry, is collegiate athletes. I didn't play professionally, and I know how many collegiate athletes are really struggling to find that next step. So that's what my curriculum is about, not just helping them find a job, or it's actually grown into helping them start businesses as well. But what I'm doing is really focused on helping them actually map out the next chapter of their lives that they can be excited about the same way that they were when they were playing their sport. And that's taken many forms. It started out with one-on-one coaching. I do some group coaching as well. Then the podcast came about. Then I published the book, that you see behind me right now. And it's just taken a lot of different forms. And that's my main goal, though. I've basically gone back in time to be the person I needed in my corner during that transition period. That's how I look at it.
1: Right. So if I'm an athlete, I'm a collegiate athlete, my tenure's coming to an end. When do I want to come in and contact you? And what's the process? What areas are you available for and really interested in? Where's your sweet spot, so to speak, as far as helping me? What does that look like?
0: Yeah, well, I'll start with the timing of it because the timing is very tricky because I'm I'm sure you know this, when you're fully immersed in a sport, that's all you're thinking about. So I'm not the guy who's gonna come in senior year and be like, hey, I know you have this championship game coming up, but have you thought about what you're gonna do afterwards? That's not my role. My role is the sweet spot between, okay, you've played your last game and either you're on campus still And you have all this free time or you've graduated and you're out in the real world. Maybe you had a couple of jobs. And my goal is to help them find clarity. That's the main thing. Number one, before I even get into, hey, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? There's a period of healing that needs to take place because there's this loss of identity. So that's why I really come in and do the work, the internal work to make sure they're able to heal from that. It's almost like mourning a death of a former self. And once we can move past that... Then we can start to develop. What do you want to do? How are you going to do it? Who you need to be connecting with? And of course, doing it for all the right reasons. Like I said, not just a paycheck, because I'm a firm believer. I know we're going to be talking about money on here in a little bit, but I'm a firm believer that money comes as a byproduct of working on something that actually is meaningful to you. Not necessarily that you're passionate about, but something that is a contribution to others and is making an impact on others. But you also enjoy doing it as a bonus.
1: Yeah. And I think your time frame works out really well because you're also giving the athlete an opportunity to do it on their own, right? Not everybody needs that assistance. Some of them are going to be able to successfully transition out of that athletic career and into corporate world and maybe be happy and very successful at the same time. But you're really looking for those people that are not or need help assistance or not able to find their way within the framework or the construct of their life following athletics.
0: That's it. Yeah, you summed it up perfectly. That's pretty much what I'm looking for
1: are there some key areas that you're working with them on typically? Are there areas that are you're seeing time and time again that these athletes that you're working with, or is it really you're just kind of there as their life coach slash mentor to help guide them in really all areas of their life?
0: Uh, a couple of things that I see that are pretty common are a lot of people, a lot of former athletes want to get into either coaching or they want to get into sales. And there's nothing wrong with either of these two professions, but my whole thing is There has to be a creation that takes place. You can't just say, I want to be a coach because you're comfortable and you want to stay around your sport and you don't know anything else. I think that there's people who make great coaches and they should definitely go into coaching. And there's another category of people that would be better served if they explored other things outside of the coaching realm. Same thing with sales. A lot of athletes get into sales like I did, number one, because sales roles are always hiring, but also because people will tell you as an athlete, you can go into sales and be competitive. But you have to be intentional about what it is that you're selling if you're going to go into sales and understand that it's going to take work to build yourself up in that arena, too. So my whole thing, I'm a big picture thinker, right? After we get past the emotional component to be able to help them even be firing on all cylinders mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, I'm all about creating the long term vision. That's what it's about for me. So but those are some of the things that I see pretty common. I'm not the guy who's going to be like, okay, you want to be a coach? I hope you become a coach like there's a lot of work we need to do before we get to that point.
1: Why is it so hard? And I think you touched on them kind of briefly earlier, but why do you think it's so hard for athletes to transition out of their sports careers and into the next steps? Why does that seem like such a hurdle?
0: I think if you're going to be at the top of your field in anything, and it doesn't even matter what level you played at collegiately, even if you played at a D3 or D2 level, at the end of the day, you're still receiving some sort of compensation to play your sport. So just due to the fact that you are living breathing your sport 24-7. If you're not on the road for away games, you're watching film. If you're not watching film, you're practicing. So it doesn't leave much room. You can conceptualize it. I always say this, like it doesn't really get real until it gets real, until you're actually out in the workforce or trying to build some sort of business and you're actually having to do it. You can think about it all you want, but at the end of the day, your day is consumed by your sport. So I think just lack of experience. Right. It's a totally different world when it goes from being an idea to actually you're trying to build something or map out the next stages. And that's where people need the most support. So it gets difficult because you just you don't know anything else.
1: Yeah, I see. You know, it's such a regimented life, typically, when you're an athlete. Like I'm even seeing with my own kids, my oldest son's going to college. He's going to be playing club hockey. But it was very important to him even play at a club hockey level to continue his hockey career, if you will, because he felt like what has been his identity and part of his life since he's five years old. So for the last 13 years, and it wasn't something that he wanted to give up. And technically, I agree with that. I think that that structure and that ability to have teammates and everything that you get from sports is very helpful for you, not only in college, but in life in general. So I get why it's so difficult because it's a lifestyle. It really is for many, many years, and it's hard to break out of that is there a mindset that athletes should have? This kind of goes before where you step in, but is there a mindset, this is the Midland Money mindset, that athletes should have while they're playing to prepare for the day that they're not playing? I tell my kids all the time that we're hockey family, so a little different than football, but as a hockey family, I use the term that all roads lead to men's league, right? Eventually, Everybody who plays the sport of hockey, starting at the age of five, whether you go to club, you go to D1, you go to D3, or you even make it to the NHL, one day you're going to be playing in men's league. So all paths leave there. So is there something that athletes can be doing earlier on in their life to kind of prepare them for this transition? Or is it really one of those things they just don't even want to think about?
0: That's really funny that you say that all roads lead to men's league. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those things where A lot of people don't want to think about it because they feel like, obviously, if you're playing college, and it depends on the sport, but some sports like football or men's basketball, most of those guys, their focus is on, I want to go to the league, right? If you talk about like women's sports where there's not even a professional level, then they're obviously knowing, okay, this is pretty much it for me in college. But the issue comes in where people get into the mindset of... If you're working on a plan B, that distracts from plan A, right? That's true in some cases, but not in all cases, especially like you said, when it comes to athletics,
1: right? It's true in business. I'll tell you that. I always say in business, you can't have a plan B because if you're already thinking about plan B, plan A is not going to work out. So I get it. Exactly.
0: And I think you have to find a balance, right? And that balance is going to be different for everyone. But I think in terms of mindset, you have to get outside of your circle. That's another thing. You can't just be hanging out with your teammates all the time. Because the other students on campus, these are people who are already preparing for their careers actively. And not to say they're going to be 100% sure either, because they haven't been out in the real world yet.
1: There are a lot of five and six year college students that are not athletes, right? That's it. That's exactly it. (laughs) So I think
0: the only thing that the slight adjustment that I would have made personally and advice I could give to current student athletes is to just try to dedicate more time. That time that you're playing Madden, you know, I know you want to unwind and relax a little bit. (laughs) Just maybe take out a pen and paper and just actually start to visualize or talk to people. Or if you're considering going a certain route, even if it's not related to your major, just start to network and and get into conversations and do interviews with people just to learn more about what they do on a day-to-day basis, because it all comes down to what are you going to be doing on a day-to-day basis in your life after sports.
1: Right. You bring up a good point. You talk about student athletes so that, you know, most of these schools have athletic departments and these athletes are really there to help promote the school, et cetera. Do you find that the schools themselves provide any assistance to the players for their life after the game? Or is it really just a focus on, hey, you're here to play the sport, get a good education, and we're going to just help you in the same way that we help all our students, even though they probably know these people are much different than just the regular average student who's not involved in an athletic sport.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And I have a lot of thoughts on this. I think it's gotten a lot better. I can say that. And obviously I only have my experience at Stony Brook, but across the board, based on what I've heard, I graduated in 2013. Like I said, so the past eight years, there's been a significant improvement by athletic departments, by staff, um, even by coaches, I'd say to help athletes prepare for that next step. You see the development of things like life skills departments, life skills coordinators. If they existed when I was in school, I didn't know about them, or at least they weren't very present. But I think there has been much more of an effort to understand that this is an issue and putting staff and programs and things like that in place to be able to support. At the time when I graduated, definitely not. And it's funny because I was bitter. Right. I was bitter at one point. Like, why didn't they help me? That's not their job. They promised me a free education and that I was going to play some football. So when it's all said and done, I think parents and players have to take a little bit more responsibility. But I am happy to see that there's been some improvement in athletic departments. It's a beautiful thing. You
1: say that their responsibility is to get you a good education, but at the same time, many of these educational institutions hang their hats on the job placement rate or or average salary for our students. So I tend to think to some degree that they'd have a higher success rate if they'd be able to help place the athletes too. So I mean, should to some degree these academic institutions have their own Taj Deshawn within their four walls in order to be working with these athletes throughout their career to help prepare them? Or you think that it's not needed at this point in time?
0: I think it's 100% needed. And that's actually something I'm working on with Stony Brook right now, back to the sweet spot, right? Not just me to come in and be that guy, but to have teams and systems in place. Because the life skills departments are doing a phenomenal job. They even have courses now about they have life skills development courses where they're going through and learning how to figure out what they want to do career wise, how to network, how to interview, how to create a resume. And that's a beautiful thing to see. And I think that there's a a need for a holistic approach as well where you can have someone actually assigned to you to work with you to coach you to help you actually make a smooth transition maybe even someone to talk about personal things back to what we were saying earlier when it comes to athletic identity some of those things you need someone in your corner who's been through what you've been through to be able to identify where you're at in that journey in that process and be able to help move you along so to your point things are getting better still a long way to go though that's for sure
1: yeah I think what you're trying to say, and you correct me if I'm wrong, is the person who's in that life skills department, whoever they are, is not typically somebody who was a collegiate athlete. There's somebody who knows how to navigate what life after college should look like. So to some degree, they're not felt like as a peer by the athletes when they're having those conversations. Yet if they had somebody in that regard that was an athlete that was in that role, then it's kind of like, hey, this person's been there, done that. They have the... experience. And there's almost that level of trust immediately at that point. Is is that what you're kind of alluding to or saying maybe?
0: Yeah. And when it comes to these life skills coordinators, it's just like any other role. There are people there, they're there just to collect a paycheck and do a job. And then there's great people, some of them being former athletes, to your point, like the guy at Stony Brook, Izzy Fortuna, he played lacrosse at Stony Brook. And I think the early 2000s. So he's doing a phenomenal job. And the players relate to him because like, oh, this guy used to be an athlete here. So you have people like that who actually are creating great curriculum, coming up with great programs, finding ways to solve the problem. And then, like I said, you have people just like in any other industry or any other job they're there just to collect a check. They don't really care about how they're helping or what they're doing. That's actually going to have long term lasting effects to help the student athletes. So I see both. I've seen both. Right.
1: Okay. It's good to hear that they're getting better in that regard. I think not only the collegiate level, but I think even on the professional level, they're not where they need to be, but they certainly are getting better and they are better than they were 5, 10, 15 years ago by far.
0: Most definitely. Just the fact that it's in the discussion now, I think it's on people's (laughs) radars. You know, you see the whole thing about athlete mental health or more than an athlete. The fact that these things are being discussed, even that in itself makes a world of difference. And the next step, of course, is actually having more solid structures and foundations in place to actually get the work done and provide the support instead of just talking about it.
1: Yeah. So you lead right into where I wanted to go next. I don't know if you knew where we're going, but one of the things that I see, quite frankly, in collegiate level, professional level, kind of throughout the gamut of sports in general, are athletes spend so much time honing their craft, whatever it is, whatever the sport is. And on top of that, they make sure that they eat right, that they're physically fit. Why is there not an emphasis on the mental wellness and the mental well-being component of things? I think it's starting to be talked about, but I still don't see that focus on the mental piece, which I think is really crucial and vital to any athlete at any level, really.
0: Yeah. Awesome point. It's like you said, we're starting, we're talking about it, but still have a long way to go on that front too. I think just for so long, and not only athletes, but just people in general, the topic of mental health just hasn't really been in the forefront of the conversation especially in certain communities. Because we can get into race and all that too, but it's not just about minorities. It's also about athletes. It's also about men. Like how many men have opened up about their mental health over the years? We have men, I think men are committing suicide at an alarming rate in the US. So there's an issue there too. It's not just, it doesn't belong to certain communities. But I think that it's been an afterthought in the world of athletics, just because like you said, it's, it's about how are you performing? Are you working out? And that's been the focus, not understanding that the mind plays such a huge part and everything and everything, yeah. your, your performance, how your team, the team camaraderie, how you perform on and off the field, just in everyday life, all that stuff matters. So we're getting started, though. We're getting started,
1: Larry. That's all. Yeah, listen, I don't know if you're aware of this. Maybe you are, maybe you're not, but I actually sit on the National Board for the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. I did not know that. Mental health is something very important to me. I lost my brother-in-law to suicide, and I've had the opportunity. I talk about mental health quite a bit, and I've actually had the opportunity. I had uh, Elijah Holder, who... He just got traded recently from the Denver Broncos, and he was very vocal and wore for cleats for a cause. He wore AFSP's logo on there. He lost a very dear friend of his to suicide when he was a kid. We have Solomon Thomas now in the NFL. He lost his sister, and he's very vocal. He's with the uh, Las Vegas Raiders now. And then you have guys like Michael Phelps that have come out and talked about their mental health. So I think there's been, like you said, more discussion about it. And I think we need more. And one of the greatest people that I've met and I'm going to be speaking with on the show soon, if it hasn't been released already, is a guy by the name of Lorenzo Lewis, who started the Confess Project, which is in minority communities. He basically started training and educating barbers, barbers on how to talk to people about mental health. Because everybody talks to their barber, right? And in those communities, men of color have a tendency not to speak about their mental health, but they'll talk about things with their barbers. So he went out on a mission and is training barbers on how to have these conversations, and he's having an amazing impact on the world by doing that. So. Now we got to get the athletes to get out of their own minds and focus on this and understand that this might be something that's holding them back from being even better than they are if they could work on themselves and work on their mental health as much as they work on their physicality, right? Yeah.
0: And that's awesome. I'm definitely going to check out that Confess Project, Larry. That's such a great idea. I love that. Just the fact that they always say like in the black and brown community, your barber is like your therapist. So what a great way to kind of infiltrate this and find a workaround to where you're going to get this help. Mentally, whether you want it or not, we're going to find a way to make it happen. I love that.
1: He basically took it to another level, and I think it was genius. What a genius idea! And he's starting it out, you know, he started out in the South and he's like moving it and migrating it to other communities. And it's just a great idea. And people don't think of it as mental health or mental therapy, it's just what I do. So it's just like an easy place to go and have a conversation and make people better. He's an amazing guy and it's an amazing program. So maybe I could connect you guys at some point.
0: Yeah, I would love that, Larry. Thank you. And genius is definitely the right word for that. So I'm always down to connect (laughs) with geniuses.
1: (laughs) There you go. So what are some simple things that athletes can do today? Let's say I'm an athlete in high school or starting out in college. What are some simple things, some actionable things that they can do today to start helping them be more successful through that transition process?
0: Yeah. And this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, Larry. It's pretty difficult to do that while you're playing. I think it just comes down to, like you said, all roads lead to men's league. So you have to understand that it is going to end one day and be comfortable with that. Even if you go on to have a career where you play till you're 30, 35 years old, that's great. But then what do you do as a 30 or 35 year old afterwards? You have to have some sort of vision and the cultivation. The sooner you can start cultivating the vision for that, the better off you're going to be. Some advice I can give to athletes who are just wrapping up their careers, and maybe you had your career cut short to COVID is First of all, you have to have a period of time where you're not numbing your emotions because that's what I did. And that's what so many athletes do, because we're so used to just being on the go all the time and not wanting to show weakness. A lot of us either try to mask the pain or act like it doesn't exist. So if you're listening to this right now and you're a former athlete or know someone who's a former athlete, it's okay that you're hurting. It's okay that you're struggling just embrace that and talk to someone about it. That's the biggest advice I can give too. Make sure you talk to someone, even if it's not professional, like a therapist, talk to a family member, talk to a friend, talk to another teammate. I had teammates who were going through this challenge at the time. If I would have talked to them, maybe we all would have been able to help each other just by getting it off our chest, but I didn't do that. So but number one, you can't be chasing money right away. Of course, do what you need to do to make ends meet, pay bills, take care of yourself. But never get so stuck in, I just have to make money, I have to make money. Always look up and think about what it is that you wanna do long-term. You don't wanna look back at the end of your life and just say, I worked this job because it was paying my bills. What did you create? What mark did you leave behind? What contribution did you make for your fellow man? These are all things you need to be thinking about and I think if we can start with that, then that'll take you places. And also don't think that you're going to graduate or finish your professional career and be the CEO somewhere. Be willing to start back at the bottom of the totem pole again. I always say you're a freshman in life. So congratulations. You graduated. You might have been the man <laughs> or the woman at your sport. but You're a rookie now. You got two, three, four, five five years of hard work and dedication to your craft until you can get back up to the top. So I'll just leave it at that.
1: It's probably very similar. I could probably make an analogy to my business. You know, it's like putting a financial plan together for somebody. You don't want to wait till you're 60 years old and want to retire at 62 to start putting a plan together. You want to start putting that plan together in your maybe your 20s, 30s, 40s at the latest and start putting that together. So you almost have to start at least thinking about affiliating with learning what you're going to need to do whenever that athletic career ends, whether it's at the end of college or at the end of the pros, whatever it may be, start putting a game plan together and maybe have a couple of different options. Okay, if it ends after college, this is how I'll handle things. If I go to the professionals, this is how I, you know, and have some options and at least understand what you're going to need to do and have a better idea of how to do it rather than all of a sudden your collegiate career coming to an end and you saying, hey, I got to figure this out because that's putting a lot of stress. And like you said, you end up having issues and concerns right away because it's something that just came to an end so abruptly, even though you kind of knew it was going to come to an end, you never really knew it was going to come to an end. Do you see it differently? Because you deal with a bunch of different types of athletes. I mean, is there a difference, for example, as I'm thinking, between a football player and let's say a swimmer or a tennis player or a golfer or a basketball player, just in the sense of most sports, I guess, outside of football that I can think of, you might be able to think of others. Most of them, you can continue to some degree in a competitive fashion after you're in college or whenever your career's done. Football happens to be one of those sports that there isn't a men's league tackle football league, at least that I know of, other than like the NYPD and FDNY teams that play there aren't really full pat suited up and play a real football game post-college or post-pros. So do you find it's a little bit different for football players versus those other players that can still have that competitive drive, maybe not as competitive as it used to be, but in some way, shape, or form through, as I deemed men's league earlier or women's league, whatever your sport determines?
0: Yeah, I think certain sports, the fall from grace, is a little bit more challenging, like you said. And I've worked with athletes from every sport, including swimmers, including tennis players. Something about men's basketball and men's football, just because the expectations, you know, a lot of these guys, like myself, I wasn't, my parents couldn't have afforded for me to go to college if I didn't get a scholarship. So a lot of... Especially for males who are coming from certain backgrounds, even people who grew up in good families, the fact that you get a scholarship and you have the possibility of going pro, there's so much weight on your shoulders. So when you don't, when that doesn't happen, it can be a little bit more challenging emotionally. Also, with the sport like football or basketball, there's that camaraderie that I've got my brothers to the left and right of me. And I don't want to make this so male focused because I work with female athletes too, but I do see it. It's a little more challenging for the men. Number one, because as you know, men oftentimes have a little bit more trouble opening up about what they're going through, but also to go from you're fighting with other men for a common goal, which is kind of what we're wired for. And then you go to, I'm just by myself working at Enterprise right now making $200 a day, that's a tough thing to go through. So that's some of the things I see. I will say for the women, this is pretty common. A lot of female athletes struggle with body image. You're no longer competing. So that's added on top of I'm a former female athlete, and now I'm struggling to figure out what my next chapter in life is going to be. And I'm also putting on weight because I'm not working out, so I don't feel as attractive. And it becomes like this cycle. Yeah. Those are some common things that I've seen.
1: I can see it having its own challenges for them. Yeah.
0: Most definitely. Which I
1: honestly, before you said that, it wasn't anything that I thought of previously.
0: And I didn't either until I started having those conversations. And I'm like, wow, there's a pattern here. So that actually forced me to adjust my curriculum a little bit. And I don't have cookie cutter curriculum. You know, there's obviously it's when you're doing coaching, it's you're adjusting on the fly and meeting people where they're at. But I started to include almost like a fitness component and started bringing other people in nutritionists. You know, there are a lot of former athletes who are nutritionists now or trainers and kind of bringing them in to be able to support with that side of it. Because I stay in my lane. I know what I'm good at and I bring in people to do their same. What they're good at. Yep. <laughs>
1: Same. We do, we do the same thing here, just on the financial side. So to that point, have you ever found a situation where you had to bring in either a therapist or a psychiatrist or psychologist in order to help somebody? Because you said, you know, listen, there's more here than I can unpack. We really need a professional to help work you in particular through this process.
0: Yeah, so... I actually thought of this ahead of time when I was developing the curriculum, understanding that some of these things were going to come up. So what I did was I actually consulted with some friends of mine who are clinical psychologists and therapists from all different realms. And actually, they helped me in the development of my curriculum. So I never put myself out there as a therapist or claim to be doing any type of that work. Although technically, some of that stuff does come up on the calls. So I do have those people on hand if I needed to bring them in. But I think that by the time some of these things start coming out with the athletes that I've worked with, we've already developed a rapport. They already know I've been through what you've been through in some way, shape, or form. And so they're comfortable opening up and telling me those things. And I've been able to kind of navigate those waters successfully. But I do have those people on hand if and when that situation arises.
1: Right. Yeah, listen, we have the same experience on our end. We stay in our lane and To some degree, we're part psychologists, part therapists also with people and their money and their retirements and what their goals and objectives are. And there have been times where we've had to bring in a a family therapist because there might be a family situation or a family dynamic that needs to be addressed that's Really, out of our wheelhouse, we could bring it so far, and then you have to move on. So, I think that's excellent, and we love hearing from people who understand that and have that abundance mindset. That I don't have to be everything to everybody. I want to be everything to a very small, select group of people, and be the best I can be. And if there are areas that need to be addressed out of my wheelhouse, then I have the tools and and the folks that I could go to to address those things. So, I think that's a, a very commendable trait on your part. So. Thank you, Larry. Yeah, so Tosh, we end every show by asking every one of our guests the same question, and that is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? This is the Midland Money Mindset, so it's very important to know what put you in the right mindset today.
0: Yeah, today I actually woke up, didn't check my phone. I've gotten in the habit of doing that, and I read. So I keep books next on my nightstand. I wake up when my alarm goes off, my phone's on airplane mode, so I don't have any alerts. I grab one of the books I'm reading, I read for five to 10 minutes, and then I get up and I exercise immediately, even if I don't feel like it. So that's what I did today that brought me joy and got me prepared for the day.
1: Sounds like a great way to get started every day. You get some great ideas, you get exercise, get the blood flowing. Sounds like a great way to kick off the day. So listen, it's been a pleasure. We're going to have all of your contact information in the show notes. But if people want to find you or find the Thrive After Sports podcast, how do they do that?
0: Yep. Best way to do that is just type in Thrive After Sports wherever you're listening to this podcast. It's available on all podcast platforms. You can connect with me at tajdeshawn.com. I'm Taj Deshaan across all social media. So, but all my social media is on the website as well as the book. The book is on there too. And before we close out, Larry, I just want to say thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure getting to know you a little bit. And I want to acknowledge you for a second because the work that you're doing is super important. Like you said, there is a mindset, hence the name Midland Money, but there's a, <laughs> there's a mindset behind finance. And I've had to definitely work on that, on my money mindset. So I can tell that you and your team are doing an excellent job of not only helping your clients out with improving their finances, but improving their mindset behind it. I think that's a beautiful thing and something that's often left out of the conversation. So props to you for everything you and your team are doing over there.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much, Taj. It's really been a pleasure. I appreciate that. And I hope the next time, as we discussed before we started recording, that you come out to Stony Brook, that we have the opportunity to meet in person. Love to do that and make it a great day.
0: Thanks, Larry. Appreciate it.
1: I want to thank Taj Deshawn for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Taj has taken the lessons he learned while struggling to transition from being an athlete to the next phase of his life and turned it into a practice that serves people like him. He works with athletes to equip them with the tools to thrive in their life after sports and helps them with the guidance needed to carve out a powerful new path for the rest of their life. Taj can be found across all social media platforms and all the contact information needed to find him can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit Call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money.